Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. <laughs> Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, you're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome, dear listeners, to Season 10, Episode 3. I'm your host, Otis Jiry, and in this episode, I'll be performing four tales to terrify you, courtesy of Kyle Harrison, about wretched rituals, fiendish farewells, demonic denizens, and cancerous creeps. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which contains the first two spine-tingling stories. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the tear, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. Thank you for your support. Now, it's time to take a walk together down the moonlit trail. So, lock your doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. This show is about to begin. <laughs> wow, is it that far into this new year already? 
How many of your resolutions have you given up on by now? Hopefully not too many. We certainly need to make sure people are working hard to keep some of those corpses in the back 40 from rising up in protest. But for some families, the new year is less of a fun time and more of a ritual, you might say. Something that, well, needs to happen all the time, or... But why am I explaining it all away? Let's just get right to it in our first tale from Kyle Harrison. Without further ado, I present to you, Out With The Old. I know most of you are probably heading off to get a few drinks with friends and pass the night away watching the ball drop from the comforts of your couch. And if so, I applaud you for not having a care in the world when it comes to the new year, not even doubting for a second that it might not come at all. I wish I could go back to the comfort of that lie. I hope that I didn't know what my family does, what curse they've been burdened with. It's possible I might have had one too many drinks myself before sharing this with you, so I apologize if I'm rambling. Hopefully, by the end, this will all make sense. My family has a very unusual New Year's Eve tradition, you see. One that I was ushered into only recently by my Uncle Mordecai. It was a little past eleven that night, on December 31st, a few years back, when Mordecai pulled me out of my bed in the darkness and passed me a rifle telling me that it was time. Ever since Dad passed away, he's been here for the family in almost every imaginable way, always reliable, always confident, a genuine jack-of-all-trades. So it was jarring to be up so late at night and to see his eyes were wild with fear. I had never seen him this way. We usually get up before the sun at 5 a.m. to get all of our work done. Our family runs a small farm outside the city limits, so going to bed early is necessary, even during the holiday season. Going out like this was certainly not normal, and we also never hunted. So, of course, as he urged me to get dressed... I had a dozen questions. Where are we going? Is Mama okay? Are we in danger? Mordecai didn't answer any of them. Instead, he moved toward the front room and peeled back the curtains, looking out across our farmland as though searching for an intruder. Malachi, you're just old enough now to understand. We have a job to do tonight, something that can only be done in the old woods. It's going to be dangerous, it'll be hard, and it could cost you your life. But it must be done, he told me. Uncle, you're, you're frightening me. What must we do, I asked. I, I can't bother explaining it. House bells. Oh, I wish your pa was here. He never wanted you to get involved, but mm, here we are. Mom was up now as well, looking exhausted and petrified. Apparently, she was also aware of this strange hunt Mordecai was about to take me on, and she kissed my forehead. Make it home safe, Mal, she said worriedly. I don't want to go anywhere until I know for sure what's going on, I told them both. Uncle Mordecai looked frustrated, as if wanting to slap me across the face. But as he cocked his rifle and checked his ammunition, he provided the best explanation he could. Midnight brings a monster to these woods, 
and it's our duty to hunt and kill it before sunrise. If we fail, if our family ever fails, the whole world could be at risk, he said. We were out the door into the dark countryside. Not a rabbit stirred on the prairie as we crossed toward the woods. Shouldn't we use the truck, I asked. I wasn't sure whether to even bother inquiring about what he had just told me, but if time was limited, I figured it would be necessary to move as quickly as possible. There's a spell across the land. Maybe you didn't notice when you woke, but none of the electronics on the farm were working. This is what happens when the monster approaches. Now it's almost midnight, and we need to hurry to the hunting blind, he insisted. Mordecai was probably twice my age, but moved like a nimble elk across the thick brush and into the woods. I was struggling to keep up, my mind racing as I tried to imagine whatever it was we sought out. But for Uncle, it was as if he'd done this all too many times before. His words echoed in my head about how he missed my father, and as we hunched down in the next ditch, I felt compelled to ask a burning question. Did Dad die out here because of this thing, I asked. Mordecai only nodded, perhaps too ashamed or scared to even relive the experience to me. That was only a few years back, and we nearly lost everything. It's not a mistake we can afford again, he said as we started to walk again. Mordecai shouted that I needed to keep up, and I was certainly trying my best, but it wasn't easy. The old woods were thicker here, difficult to traverse. I could hardly make heads or tails of where we were or what was happening. Then he held his hand up as we approached the clearing and surveyed the other side of the woods. It seemed like everything was darker here, not a sound was heard, and it felt like everything was suddenly frozen as he watched the surrounding area. I heard something move, soft and slow, through the clearing. It made the ground tremble. The forest was trying to move aside for whatever this tremendous beast was. I saw a long, tall shadow slide across the grass, making up a bulbous form on the opposite side of the clearing. It was as large as an elephant, perhaps four of them. I looked toward the heavens, trying to get a good look at its face. Then as I gazed toward the stars, I realized two of the bright orbs were, in fact, glowing eyes. Do not move. Mordecai warned as the creature slowly moved to the west. It hadn't seen us yet, and it was crushing trees as if they were toothpicks. How the hell are we supposed to kill that thing, I asked. It was unimaginable how immense it was, but it was thin and lanky and moved almost like a slinky bite, its body disjointed and broken as if it struggled to walk. At least it couldn't chase after us, I thought to myself, as Mordecai pulled me into the grass. Keep low, and don't make any more noise unless absolutely necessary. He told me as we moved to the backside of the creature. I kept my eyes on it at all times, mesmerized by how powerful it was. As I looked closer at the beast, I realized it was holding something with its right palm, a long, thin rod that edged into a massive curve at the end, a weapon of some kind, I realized as Mordecai gave me instructions. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. 
It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. The creature's blind. So distracted with as much light as possible while I move around toward its backside some more. I'll whistle, and that will be the signal to you. You should immediately turn off your light and run toward me at that point. Do you understand? He whispered. That weapon could cut us in two, I shouted back. The mighty beast stopping dead in its marching. It had heard me. Blasted on mouth. Move this way. My uncle snarled as he pulled me up from the ground. There was a stream only twenty yards or so away as I heard the creature making a moaning noise. It was swinging its immense blade toward us, sliming the sickle into the ground and tearing up the earth as we ran. Get in now, then turn on your light, he ordered as we slid into the ditch. I obeyed, too terrified to question any further as I shone the light into the beast's eyes. What I saw was the malnourished giant face of a man with a long, scraggly white beard. Every inch of his face showed signs of decay or death, boils and scars covering his grotesque form as he opened his broken jaw and screamed due to the light. His teeth were jagged, misshapen, and ruined, bent out of shape from eating God knows what, and his entire body looked like it had been pressed through a cheese grater. Not a sliver of his skin looked healed or young. Keep the light on its eyes! Mordecai ordered as he rushed toward the other side, narrowly avoiding another hit from the scythe. I was trembling, at a loss for being able to do anything except keep the light moving as the man reached a long, bony hand toward me, grasping into the creek, trying to squeeze the life out of me. Uncle, you must hurry, I shrieked as I felt the giant's gnarled nails dig into my skin and he began to lift me into the air. Hold steady, my boy, I got a good shot. Mordecai shouted back as I felt the aged titan's ragged breath waft over my entire body. It made me want to vomit. A boiling mixture of poison and fumes pushed its way out of its gullet as the monster prepared to drop me straight down his throat. Then a gunshot runs through the air, then another. Blood splattered across my face as I saw that Mordecai had struck him right in the back of the head. The giant moaned and dropped me instantly my body pathetically flailing to the ground as I fell like a doll. I hit the ground and barely had time to recover as I saw the decrepit old titan begin to fumble and collapse. If I didn't get to hiding, 
would crush me as it died. I managed to jump back to the creek, my body aching and exhausted, as I felt the massive creature let out a final groan, its colossal form destroying the entire clearing as I saw Mordecai move toward its stomach, as if searching for something. We ain't done yet, boy, he said, waving me over to him. Cautiously, I walked past the trembling muscles of the giant as its heart slowed down and saw Mordecai cutting into the belly of the beast. We've almost run out of time. There's one final part of this ritual we must safeguard, he said as he cut away the muscle as if it were mere paper. Then he paused at a wall of jelly-like material that looked like an egg sack of some kind. I need your help here, Malachi. This won't be easy, but we need to rip this womb apart. Do you hear me? he asked. More questions buzzed as I stood by his side, using my hunting knife to cut and push the writhing jellicide, revealing that something was making its way out of the old giant. That's it, that's it. Move back, boy, my uncle warned. But I was too transfixed by what was happening. I was witness to the birth of a new species. First, a hand pushed out, gripping the belly like a cave wall, then another on the opposite side, stretching the hole we dug from its carcass wider. I saw at least four arms and six legs, perhaps more, all human in appearance as the strange skin arachnid crawled out of its host, wailing like a newborn infant. It had only a sharp tooth that it used to eat away at the umbilical cord that it had tethered to the giant. Then it began to slither toward me, its eyes viewing me as nothing more than food. I felt Mordecai pull me away just as the baby monster leapt toward me, barely missing my face by mere inches with its claws. Then it retreated into the forest, hungry and angry, the sounds drowning out my fragile mental state as my uncle led me back to the house. Dawn broke a few hours later, and I went to find the giant corpse, hoping to make sense of the whole ordeal, but not even the bones remained. It was gone the moment we stepped away from these old woods, and trying to piece together evidence would do little good now, my boy. I tried taking a picture of the thing once, and it broke my camera to pieces. It's not meant to be seen by humans, that's for sure. Mordecai explained. But we saw it. We killed it. You must tell me why. I stammered as I searched the ground that had once been covered in blood. Not a drop remained as if the infant creature had returned and licked up every bit of it for nourishment. Your father told me that it was necessary to protect the next year, to make sure we have another one, that is. It's an endless cycle that must be repeated, or else God knows what might happen. We kill the old and give birth to the new, and then we go about our lives another year, thankful for what we've been given, Mordecai explained. We hunted the beast together for a few more years after that until... 2019, when Uncle died during the event. It was like watching my father be buried all over again. I was more brutal that year to the giant, angry that I was cursed to hunt it for the rest of my days, and I nearly lost my own life. Now it's just Mom and me, and I worry about what will happen this year if I fail to succeed. I've written to my family, asking they come down for a New Year's celebration, hoping to get more hands for the hunt. I know I can't tell them the truth of what they all face, so I'm leaving this confession here for any to hear. Maybe it'll make a difference. Perhaps it will ensure we have a good hunt and a good year. 
All I know is that I wish I never knew this curse, and I don't think I can ever have a happy new year again. I hope you enjoyed Out with the Old by Kyle Harrison, as performed by yours truly. If you enjoyed that first tale and would love to read more from tonight's very talented feature author, you can help support them by visiting simplyscarypodcast.com slash Harrison. That's simplyscarypodcast.com slash H-A-R-R-I-S-O-N. You might know him from his voluminous collection of tales written under the moniker of Color Blindness on Reddit. Um, that's color, with a U, as in you may want to see more there. Kyle is also one of the 30 featured authors in Volume 1 of the Chilling Tales for Dark Knight Story Collection, available for Amazon now. If you do decide to stop by the profile, please leave Kyle a kind word and let him know you heard about him on this show and that Otis sent you. It would mean a lot to me. Thanks again for your support of this program and of tonight's featured author. While I don't envy that family and their task, my concern is more about that baby. What kind of diaper is supposed to fit on something like that? Hopefully it grows out of that phase by February. It's always unfortunate when we lose a loved one, especially one with which we have such fond memories. Uncle Howard left such an impression on his nephews that they just have to find the perfect way to bury him. What better way than in his cabin out in the woods? Hmm. Well, maybe those woods aren't quite as friendly as they remember. Let Kyle Harrison lead you down a winding path in our second tale of the evening. Without further ado, I present to you Uncle Howard's Cabin. When I was a little boy, my fondness memories in summer were spending time in the North Woods at my Uncle Howard's. He had this rustic old cabin surrounded by nothing but pure nature. The local hunters called it Howard's Hideout. Every time my brother, John, and I would visit, a new adventure would await us. But as you grow up, those things fade, and you find yourself focusing on the adventures of adulthood. They weren't nearly as fun, and you can't just wriggle your nose and change the story. I wish I could change this story. But this isn't about me. It's about my uncle and the legacy he left behind. Howard died last June from a massive heart attack. I remember John called me at work to tell me the news. He knew I was always incredibly close to our uncle. A rush of memories flooded over me after I got off the phone. Fishing down at the creek, setting snares along the property line, listening to old westerns as he popped a bag of kettle corn over the open stove. What stuck out the most was the ghost stories Uncle Howard would tell. That evening, John and I went out for drinks and I asked him what his favorite campfire story Howard told us was. Gee, bro, I don't know. He told us a lot of crazy things, he said with a laugh. I prodded him for a moment longer, and finally he gave in and said, That one about the bear. I sat there and drank my whiskey, remembering the story quite well. 
Uncle Howard had a way of making the monsters extra vivid in his stories, and none of them were more frightening than the entity that John recalled. According to our uncle, the creature was about as large as a seven-foot-tall man with massive claws that could tear a person into twelve pieces all at once. Papa Bear is what he called it. Apparently, despite being so fearsomely large, Papa Bear was not all that dangerous, so Howard assured us. He's a protector of these woods, keeps the good in and the bad out. That's why you boys are safe here. Papa Bear is watching out for us, he said. Apparently, Papa Bear decided who was and wasn't welcome in the woods and eliminated any threats to keep the forest secure and magical. Though I knew that John and I were spared somehow, I recalled every detail of what happened to its victims. Those who trespassed were not simply killed. I knew even as a young boy, Uncle Howard was trying to make sure we kept nature clean. But still, it scared the hell out of me. He made sure to tell us that the victims became slaves to the abomination, tasked to clean the forest that they had defiled, especially at night when the wind would whistle through the old cabin and make everything sound so loud, like a groaning noise or a wailing. I remembered vividly hiding under the covers one night when the sounds went on for hours. I didn't even get up to go to the bathroom and instead peed on myself to stay safe. "'Who do you think will get the cabin?' John asked me, bringing my mind back to the present. I had to admit I didn't know, considering that my uncle and aunt had divorced quite some time ago. "'It seems a shame just to let it sit out there,' I said. Later that same week, I spoke with his second ex-wife, Denise, on the phone. Our aunt Rena died around the time I went to college. Denise admitted she didn't really have any idea about the last will and testament, or if it even included anything about the cabin, but promised she'd look into it. That Saturday, my dad and I went to hear the reading of the will. A few of our other relatives I hadn't seen in a while were there. I even saw Howard's estranged son, Walker, show up. Wasn't he in prison? My dad whispered to me when he walked in. You're the cop, not me. I said back as Walter sat down a few rows ahead of us. You know what? I think I remember now. It was just a misdemeanor on illegal possession, but they always thought he might have been involved in the Cooper case. My dad whispered back. You know what my dad meant if you had lived around this area long enough? About six years back, a family went missing on the north stretch of the interstate near the state line, for those of you who don't. The investigation into their disappearance revealed that they had planned a fishing trip for the family into the woods, husband and wife and two girls. Shannon, the oldest girl, was the only body they ever found around a year later. She had somehow survived that long out in the woods and was trying desperately to reach civilization, but ended up running into a meth lab. The same meth lab that Walker had been busted for a few months after her body was found there. I'd never read the full report, but it stuck me as odd that the timing of the two events were so close together. A few moments after my dad made his comment, the cabin was mentioned in the will, and to my shock and dismay, Walker managed to get the property. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? 
Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I followed him outside after the reading was finished and found him leaning against the building, smoking a joint. Brian, it's been a while, he said as he offered me a smoke. He gave me a lopsided smile. I'm clean now, Walker. Pretty crazy about your dad, huh? I told him. He nodded, not saying much. I knew that he'd always been jealous of John and I. Uncle Howard had always been much more of a father to us than him, and I was positive that he had always been rubbed the wrong way by that. So what you need, Brian? I know you didn't come out here to chew cud with me, he said. You're going to the funeral tomorrow, I asked. I gotta pay respects to the old man, Walker answered. I know it's probably an odd request, But I was hoping maybe I could handle the distribution of his remains, I said. His ashes? He asked with a nervous laugh. I was just thinking about his cabin out there and how much he loved it. I explained as I tried not to tear up. I knew Walker wouldn't understand, but I was surprised when he agreed to let me have the canister. He can fling them all up and down the county for all I care, he said as he tossed his burnt cig down. I talked with John about my intentions to head to the cabin that next weekend, and my brother suggested we make a camping trip out of it, a final way to say goodbye to Uncle Howard. We drove up that Saturday morning in the late June heat. We took John's pickup truck, and I remembered keeping myself cool by using a wet rag and some ice because he didn't have A.C. By the time we'd arrived, I was sweating so bad I decided to head down to the creek for a swim. You ain't getting out of helping me get all this inside, my brother told me. Even though we both felt like we would have had a heat stroke, I helped him carry our luggage inside and set it down on the couch. It still looks like it's in good condition, John said. I have to admit I was impressed with the cabin's cleanliness, and I immediately wondered how long it had been since Howard had been here. He loved this place, I realized. We looked around at some of the hunting trophies that he had hanging on the wall, and I remembered Howard teaching me how to skin small birds to prepare them for the stuffing process. Remember that all things on this earth are created to serve men, boy. You don't get to hurt God's creation, and you want to respect life, Howard told me. I saw one of the geese I helped preserve and reached up to touch the feathers, It was amazing how it seemed in perfect condition after all these years. The woods made everything feel even more inviting, like we were taking a trip back in time and experiencing everything for the first time. We followed the West Trail, listening to the gentle singing birds and looking at some of the old snares that Howard still had set up. Once the trail ended, we relied on memory alone to reach the creek. The water looked as clear as it had when we were kids. I didn't take a moment to hesitate, and tossed my shoes off and let my feet relax on the right side of the stream. We stayed down at the creek for about an hour, and then John suggested we do a little hunting. John took off his shirt and jumped into the deeper portion of the creek, howling excitedly. It felt good to be here. Back at the cabin, I walked down to the basement to find any of our uncle's guns. The basement was in a bit more disrepair than upstairs, but... I recalled that Howard used it as a spare closet, storing all his junk there. Near the back of the room, 
I found a small locked cache where he kept all his rifles and then rummaged through the other drawers nearby for the key. A gentle sound, like a whisper, seemed to creep into the room slowly and it made me pause in what I was doing. Then the noise grew louder. It sounded like the noises we heard when we were younger. A gentle muffling wail. I took the keys and grabbed a few guns, leaving the basement behind, and feeling a little unsettled. As we walked toward the woods, I told John about it. We're barely here for a few hours, and you're already hearing things? Man, I can't wait for tonight, he joked. I laughed it off as nerves or just my imagination. We followed the other trail behind the cabin up toward the mountains. I brought our uncle's ashes along, remembering one of his favorite spots was along the path. It was a scenic overlook of the forest itself and the nearby lake. Uncle Howard usually wouldn't let us come up there as kids because of the steep slopes. There was one time, though, that he did when we accidentally shot a deer in the wrong spot, and it was unfit for eating. I thought we were going up the slope to bury it. Howard showed me a pit where other hunters also disposed of carcasses. This keeps the bears happy, he explained. After a bit of trial and error, I found the pit and decided this would be a perfect spot to release Howard's ashes. I held a handkerchief over my mouth and opened the canister, watching as the wind carried them away. Then my attention was drawn toward the pit itself, and I noticed something out of the ordinary. It took me a minute to realize what it was. I shouted out as I took a few steps back from the edge. John was there in a second, and I wordlessly pointed down the slope to where the littered remains of a few bones were, along with a human skull. Jesus, John said. He decided to climb down and examine the bones. A few minutes later, he was back up the slope, with me looking concerned. We should probably call Dad. I can't tell for sure if that was an accident or something much worse, John explained. Neither of us said anything as we returned to the cabin. I almost felt like we were being watched, but once we got there... I decided I wasn't going to let it ruin the weekend. I searched through Howard's freezer and found some thawed deer meat at the top to cook. John was walking around the cabin trying to get reception on his phone and then finally admitted, this is what I get for switching to T-Mobile. I checked mine and noticed I had a few bars, so I passed it to him, and he walked outside to make the call. I walked to the back of the cabin where the propane stove was and turned on the gas to get everything heated and paused as I listened to the soft whistle of the ignition light coming on. Beneath that noise, I was sure I heard the same wails I heard earlier, and a repetitive thudding noise. It made me feel very uncomfortable as I cooked and ignored the sound. When John came back in, he told me Dad would be there first thing in the morning to examine the body. The noises had stopped for the moment, but I was becoming more convinced than ever that the cabin was haunted. That evening, as the sun went down, John searched through the second-story closets for blankets, and we both agreed to sleep in the living room. If this place is haunted, we'll know tonight, won't we, he said. I stayed awake until almost one in the morning, listening for anything. Then at last, the noises returned. It sounded like gentle footsteps. Then there were voices... I couldn't understand what they were saying, but I instantly woke up John. He switched on the lights in the living room and listened as well. The noises were growing louder. 
What the hell? John said as he felt something under him, but neither of us could see anything on the floor. Then I felt it too, like a low vibration. Nervously, we moved to the second floor. The noises became more subdued, and somehow we found a way to get sleep. In the morning, Dad got there, and we guided him to the ridge. Should we tell him about the other thing? I asked John as we trekked up the mountainside. Tell me what? Dad asked. He always had excellent hearing. This is probably going to sound crazy, but Uncle Howard's place? It's got ghosts, John answered. Dad looked at us both skeptically, but we insisted he come back to the cabin and see for himself. We all headed inside, and John and I tried our best to explain what we heard. It felt like something was moving around under our feet, John said. Dad was trying not to roll his eyes. Then the noises returned, soft and subdued like before. He pulled out his firearm and looked around, muttering, What sort of prank is this? It's for real, Dad, I said as we walked around the cabin, listening to the strange moaning noises. Dad made his way toward the stairs, walking carefully to the basement. The thudding got louder as we looked around the basement, and then Dad gestured for us all to be quiet and still. I was too scared to move a muscle. Then he walked toward Howard's old tool cabinet and started to push it aside. I watched silently as he revealed a large wooden door with a metal lock hidden behind it. The noises were coming from the other side. Dad pointed his weapon at the lock and shot it off without hesitation, and all of us stood there in fear as the door creaked open. A thin, skeletal woman collapsed on the floor in front of us. Dad rushed over to help her, quickly glancing at the bruises on her legs and arms like she'd been chained. Don't you stand there! Call 911! Dad shouted at us. John took out his phone immediately as I took a few steps toward the door. A dark tunnel beyond that curved into the solid earth, and I found myself stepping toward to see what the darkness hid. As it curved around found myself standing directly under the living room in a wide-open den where more chains were latched to the ground, as though meant for animals. The place reeked of the smell of urine and feces. I held my hand over my mouth as I looked across the room to see the decaying corpses of at least two other women, and at last I understood. John followed me down there and then found himself running and vomiting. I found a large cabinet on the west side of the dungeon filled with photographs, I cannot begin to describe what Howard made them do while they were trapped down there. The woman that Dad rescued turned out to be the youngest of the Coopers that had gone missing six years ago. She did not live for another two days due to bladder failure. It's been almost ten months now since I went to the cabin. I've tried not to think about the horrors I've found there, but lately they've consumed my every thought. And John, he handled it the worst. The guilt made him take his life. Once he realized the actual depth of our uncle's depravity, all those times we spent summer there, giggling when we listened to the low wails that whispered their way through his cabin. I've returned to the cabin now with one singular mission. I doused the entire first floor with gasoline, then activated the stove on a low setting. I sat out in the pickup truck and watched as it burned, It sounded like the cabin was screaming, 
as it fell apart in shambles like it was in pain. But the pain I feel will always be more tremendous. I hope you enjoyed Uncle Howard's Cabin by Kyle Harrison as performed by yours truly. If you enjoyed the tales you've heard tonight, I'd like to remind you one last time that tonight's featured author can be found by visiting our website. Just visit simplyscarypodcast.com slash Harrison. That's simplyscarypodcast.com slash H-A-R-R-I-S-O-N. If you haven't been to Reddit, the page for colorblindness for a while, chances are you'll find something new. If you have been to Reddit recently, chances are you'll find something new too. And don't forget that colorblindness is with a U. And be sure to see his story on Chilling Tales for Dark Nights Volume 1, along with 29 other stories guaranteed to give you the willies, the creeps, the shudders, and maybe even the sweeps, beeps, and jibbelies, if you let it. <laughs> As a reminder, if you decide to give any of this talented author's stories a read, please consider leaving them a quality review in a kind word, or a thoughtful public comment and an upvote, and be sure to let them know you heard about them on this program and that Otis sent you. It means more to me than you can imagine, and I'm sure they would much appreciate it as well. Thanks again for your support of this show and of tonight's featured author. Now, before we go, I'd also like to take a moment to thank you personally for joining me on this episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark. It's been a long and interesting ten seasons, and we're looking forward to presenting more works of the macabre and the monstrous in episodes to come. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to us. If you'd like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's and all of our other episodes featuring twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com, where you can purchase season passes for this podcast and our other quality storytelling programs. Or become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, all of it ad-free. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You can subscribe to me on YouTube as well at the Otis Gyrie channel, where you'll find releases of my series, Horror Storytime, dating back to 2014. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Just search for Otis Gyrie. Until next week, stay spooky and get some sleep if you can. <laughs>
and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, the Otis Jiry channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. 
Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that you know Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>